Are you hesitating to take the next step in your e-commerce journey? Founder Plus has you covered with proven frameworks tailored to your business needs for fast results, a supportive community of over 30,000 like-minded entrepreneurs and weekly live mentorship sessions. Founder Plus is your key to success. Try Founder Plus today for just $1 for seven days and start building your dream business with confidence. You can visit founder.com forward slash start dollar trial or click the link in the description to claim your trial. This is episode number 342 with Ali Webb of the Founder Podcast. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating, fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. Now. now, the Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Ghost, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amoroso, Robert Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that our goal at Founder is to help entrepreneurs succeed however we can by giving away high quality content in the form of interviews, blog posts, podcasts, YouTube videos, you name it. We put out so much content to help you. And another interesting project that we're working on right now is partnering with world-class founders like Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. What's going on, Founder Fam? Hope you're doing well. Nathan Chan here, CEO and publisher of Founder Magazine, and also the host of this show. So welcome back to another episode. Today we speak with this month's magazine front cover story, Ali Webb. Now before I tell you a little bit about her and how awesome this episode was, um, I have to apologize around the audio. Unfortunately, we had a technical difficulty, which means that unfortunately we couldn't really record on her side that well. We've done our best to salvage this. This is an incredible interview and it's just a recording from my side. So the quality is still decent, but not up to our usual standard. So I just want to apologize in advance because um, Ali is an incredible founder. She's really pioneered an industry which didn't exist um, before she started doing uh, Dry Bar. And uh, today, her brand, uh, Dry Bar, has grown over to 150 stores. She branched out into physical products as well. She sold uh, the hair care product for over $250 million. She's been a judge on Shark Tank, and she's just an incredible founder. Um, she shared so much gold with us around you know, how she really followed her passion, turned it into a business, how she franchised Dry Bar. And um, if you have a passion, here's how you can turn it into an incredible business idea. So that's it from me, guys. I hope you enjoy this episode. Please do leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Pandora, wherever you're listening. Now jump to the show. 
thanks so much for taking the time to speak with me today. The uh, first question I ask everyone that comes on is, uh, how did you get your job? <laughs> Which job? <laughs> well, let's... Today? Yeah, let, let's go back. Like, how, how do you find yourself doing the work you're doing today? Well, I mean, I, you know, my, my parents are entrepreneurs, so I grew up in that world of, like, doing, being, like, your own boss. And, you know, it was a long, very long journey to, you know, from then to where today. And I didn't have, like, a, a set plan ever, really, in my life. I mean, everything was kind of, like, going from one thing to the next, Um and, you know, I, I suppose to oversimplify it, you know, I, I landed where I am um, because I, I followed, you know, what I what I really loved doing, which was hair, you know, and it was many, many years in the making of doing hair and then stopping and starting and, and kind of, you know, landing on this, like, this this whole idea for dry bar, you know, largely came from, um, you know, my, my mobile blow dry business, which I started when, like many years after becoming a hair, a hairstylist, which was like me running around town, blow drying all my mommy friends and hair and like their living room. Um, that is really what, what, what gave me the idea to start dry bar, um, which was, you know, never meant to be much more than like one little shop in my like livelihood. So, you know, it didn't, it wasn't something that was like premeditated. It wasn't something that I like thought or dreamed about. I mean, once, once it happened and, and I realized there was this massive hole in the market and somebody needed to be doing this, um, you know, we realized we were onto a really big opportunity uh, that we didn't really see coming. And, you know, I think so many great businesses are born out of that, like kind of personal necessity space, um, which I felt was something that was missing, which I discovered from my, from my mobile blowout business. But, you know, so many fits and starts along the way definitely brought me to where I am. Mm. I don't know. If that answers your question, or do you want me to like really go back? <laughs> yeah, no, it does, it does, it does. Um, just to give context for people, it, like I know sometimes, sometimes people say to me they like in in the like we see it all the time in YouTube comments, or people write back to me for feedback. They say, I don't think you should ask that question, Nathan, because people always are stumped by it. Like, but it always brings an interesting answer to see to how people think about it. Often they laugh. Often they. Um, some people was like, get it straight away. And it's like, oh, you know, like, oh yeah, I did X, Y, Z and then I end up here. But because people don't yeah. usually think of, of what they do as, 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 when you're an entrepreneur as a job, right? Yeah. 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 I don't, and especially now today, you know, 10 years into this journey of dry bar, um, you know, I, I don't every year, I think it's safe to say that every year of my of this kind of incredible journey with Drybar, every it, my job has changed. You know, it's like in the very beginning, I was I was doing hair, I was behind the chair doing blowouts and running a shop. You know, and then I very quickly realized like I I couldn't do that. I needed to hire more people. And then you know, every year brought new changes and new people and new like you know new newness into the business. And, I, and my role had to subsequently change year after year after year. Um, and now, you know, I have a much more like bird's eye view. I'm not in the day-to-day -day trenches the way I was. I'm now, I'm, you know, I'm pursuing other things and I'm, you know, I have other businesses and other investments and other projects. And um, so, you know, what my life looks like today is, is quite different. But yeah, but I'm super grateful. Uh, you know, I, the, the, the whole trajectory of Drybar has been just such a trip for all of us um, and, and looks very, very different today. So yeah, that is a, that's a bit of a stumper of a question. I was like, 
what do you mean how did I get my job? Like, what? I don't have really a job. <laughs> so I can see how people like would comment that that's a, that does get them because it's a hard, it's a weird question to answer. Yeah, no, good. So you've done a lot. Like in 10 years, um, you know, the growth of Dry Bar has been massive. You have over 150 locations all across the U.S., uh, then you started a product line, which you uh, ended up selling uh, the product division to Helen of Troy for over $250 million. And then you've recently, you know, uh, working on a podcast, Raising the Bar, and then you're a guest shark on Shark Tank. So you obviously do a lot of investing as well. In 10 years time, this is your first business as well? Like Dry Bar was your first business? Yeah, I mean, Driver Up was my, I mean, I have a couple of little side missiles here and there, but Driver was my first like real bona fide business. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a lot to accomplish in 10 years, uh, especially for a first time entrepreneur. I, I interview and, and speak to a lot of successful founders. Um, it's really impressive. And I'd love to talk to you about your passion, because it's obviously something you're very passionate about. And I think oftentimes when you find something that you just fall in love with, it becomes an obsession, which it has to, to build a, a successful business or anything of true worth and, and significance, you can get good at it. And obviously you've got really good at this. So h- how did you find this passion? Well, you know, it really, it really was personal necessity. I mean, I, you know, it, you know, I think people often like underestimate or don't give enough value to what their passion is. It seems like silly or frivolous, um, you know, and for me, my, my passion as like, from like the time I was a little kid, it was my curly hair that I didn't know how to deal with that drove me crazy. And um, I was just kind of like, you know, enamored by, you know, I was, I was like, you know, a typical like teenager or whatever, growing up and, and looking at like, you know, fashion magazines and things. And I was really perplexed as a kid, like how women got their hair to look the way they did and like beautiful and blown out and shiny and bouncy. And I was like, you know, how in the world do they do that? It was always this thing that I was so curious about. Um, and so, and I, and my hair didn't look like that, you know, I mean, and so I was like, what, how did, how did they get that? How did they get that? And so it was this thing that kind of kept coming up for me that I always tried to like personally master that I wasn't very good at. Um, and it, like my first job, one of my first jobs and in like high school was working at a hair salon and I was a receptionist and, and I loved it. Like, I just was like, I loved being around hairstylists, you know, they would blow out my hair for free. And I just was like, I remember even like so many years ago, I remember like watching them do my hair and just being mesmerized. And like, I loved it. And I was so curious, like how you could change, you know, the structure of someone's hair. And, you know, I'm sure it's like, that's probably pretty nerdy and boring to most people. But for me, I really loved that. And, um, you know, and it was just this thing that I really loved, but I, I pushed it aside and went more towards more of a traditional um, path, which was like, you know, I did go to college for a, a minute. I, you know, I lived in South Florida in Boca Raton and I went to Florida state for like a hot second. I mean, there's probably not even a record of me going to class and realized like I didn't want to be in a traditional college. And then I moved to New York city and I, um, and I worked in fashion and my parents were, my parents had clothing stores. So I kind of thought I would, and I love fashion. So I always thought I would do something with that. Mm. And then my, my brother, Michael Landau, who's my business partner now, um, he was working for Nicole Miller in New York. And so I ended up starting working for Nicole Miller. I worked at the retail store in Soho, which isn't there anymore. And thought I was going to like kind of pursue this career in fashion. I kind of thought maybe I wanted to be a stylist. Like I was, 
I was, you know, like a true 20 year old all over the place. Um, you know, but it wasn't, and then Michael and I moved back to South Florida. We opened up a, new, a couple of Nicole Miller boutiques. So I guess you could say that was one of my first like forays into entrepreneurship, but I was not happy. And I, and I realized like very quickly, I didn't want to be doing this. I didn't want to run retail. And I was like, I was kind of at this point where like, oh shit, what am I going to do now? You know? And the thing that kind of kept coming back for me was like, I really wanted to learn how to do hair. I wanted to be a hairstylist. And I think I was like a little like, I, you know, and my parents kind of didn't love that idea. And they were like, really? <laughs> like, they, I think they thought that that wasn't like, you know, I mean, God bless them, but I think they thought that wasn't like, like a good enough career or something for me. And they didn't see the potential. And in, in my mind, I was going to move back to New York City and I was going to do, you know, editorial and work on magazines and things. And I, I saw a lot of glamour in it and a lot of excitement in that field that they didn't. But nonetheless, they were very supportive. And, and I did go to beauty school and completely fell in love with it. You know, so it took me a little while to pursue my passion, which is why, you know, as like cliche and like overused as it is, it's like there is really something to following your passion. And, and you know, for me, it was like it took me a little while to kind of get the nerve up to go against my parents and to, to do and to decide to like pursue this thing that I actually really loved where it was going to go. I didn't know, but I didn't really care, you know, and I wasn't, mm. I wasn't super, maybe my parents had the foresight to know that like, maybe I wasn't going to make a lot of money as a hairstylist. And, you know, it's so all over the board, what hairstylists can make. Um, but I wasn't thinking about money at all. Like money has, has never been like a, a driver for me. And so, you know, I was like, this is what I love. This is what I, this is the only thing I'm like excited to get out of bed in the morning to do. So I'm going to do that, you know? And so I began this career in, in hair and, um, and it took me to a lot of different places and I met a lot of really cool people and I, and I just loved the industry and I did move back to New York and I worked for, uh, John Sahag, who was a really famous hairdresser in his day. He was a pioneer of dry cutting and he was doing all those celebrities and he was like where it was at. And I worked for him for a long time and, you know, and that, that passion kind of kept going for a long time until like I decided to do something else. But, you know, that foundation that had, you know, I had been laid was was always something within me and it was like this skill that you know that i will i would i would always have and and you know fast forward to doing other jobs and trying other things and then moving to la with my now ex-husband and having kids and you know when i did decide to get back out there and start something for my myself again which is the mobile project business which eventually led to Drybar, you know it was like falling back on something that i that i was super passionate about and that i loved and then you know as the as I started to realize the massive opportunity of like the fact that there was no place for affordable blowouts, I was really able to draw like the 10 years of experience that I had had in the hair industry, you know, to turn this into an actual business. Um, and, and so, you know, so all of that stems from this passion, you know, that I had and have for hair, you know, I just, I've always loved it and that's always been my thing. And, you know, I think a lot of people kind of deny themselves that because they think, similar to how I did, like, it's not cool enough, or it's not going to, like, make enough money, or whatever it is, but, you know, I'm kind of living proof that you should do that. Yeah, no, it's interesting, when you were saying to me, like, you didn't really care what would happen, you just kind of just followed down that path of something that you loved, um, I think that oftentimes happens, right, where you just you just don't really, like, you just, you just let it go. Like, you know, it's just like, okay, whatever happens, I can always go back to, to where things were, or you just got to take that leap. 
and and have have a little bit of naivety as well. I think, which is which is what is oh, important. I think I was completely naive all, all the way through, and and I did think I always thought, even when we were starting Dry Bar, like if this doesn't work, if this whole concept doesn't work, I have lots of things I can fall back on. Mm. You know, I could go get a job in a salon anytime. Yep. I could go do lots of things. You know, and I think that's also something that like trips up a lot of like want to be entrepreneurs is they're like, you know, they have this very comfortable job. They're making a steady income. It's like, you know, they don't want to give that up. You know, my advice is always like, if you're not happy, you should give that up and maybe, you know, save some money before you do. But like, you know, it's like, it's just, it's, it's crazy to me. And I really truly don't understand how people can stay in something that they don't really love doing. Like, mm. I, you know, I know that there's lots of circumstances to consider, but I just think that life is like so short to not do something that you love. Yeah, I agree. And that would have been scary. Was it, was it still kind of scary for you? Cause you were a stay at home mom. Yeah. So I think it is, you know, it, it is, it is scary, you know, making that, taking that leap to pursue, you know, something that you love, but you know, I think that like, there's always, there's always other things you can do. And I think it's also kind of about, I feel like I talk a lot about like trusting your path, you know, and like you, you have to kind of go with the thing that like lights you up and gets you out of bed in the morning. I mean, that's just kind of always been the guiding light for me anyway. Hmm. So I'd love to know kind of um, when you started the mobile version of dry bar, how did you come to the decision to, to launch the first store and then eventually scale out and, because yeah, this is a unique concept. Yeah. At the time, well, it was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at the time, nothing like it existed, and I, because I was seeing so much like success in my mobile business, which was very, which was like a, a very small, tiny, you know, footprint. Really, I I was operating this business, and I was you know running around LA, blow drying all my mommy friends. Like my my whole idea was like, I'll come over when your baby's sleeping, and. You know, and, and, but so much came out of that business because I was doing women's hair, like in their living room or, you know, their kitchen, never in front of a mirror, which is how like, you know, in dry bar, you're never sitting in front of a mirror. You're sitting at a bar and you're turned around for the big reveal. And that came from the mobile business, you know, amongst a lot of other things. So again, more proof that like, mm. you just kind of follow what you need to do. And, um, and so, yeah, so the, you know, the, what, what happened was I got really busy really fast and I was like man, I can't, I can't keep up with all this demand by myself. So either I'm going to have to like bring on other people to help me expand this. And then I didn't love the idea of sending other people into women's homes and I couldn't control the experience. So that's when I went to my brother and said, Hey, you know, I'm having a lot of success in this mobile business. Maybe we, maybe we can turn it into a brick and mortar instead of me going to them. They, they come to me and my brother who's, you know, bald and like had no business in hair was like, had me kind of following along the success that I was having with my mobile business. And, and I was like, you know, I really think that there's at least in LA in, in like kind of surrounding where I was, you know, my business was operating, which was like Brentwood. If you know, LA, it was like Brentwood and Beverly Hills, um, you know, the Palisades, Santa Monica, like that was my little area. And I knew so many women and I was getting so busy that I was like, surely one location would work. You know, and, and Brentwood, which is our first location that we ever opened, was is only eight chairs. It's one of our smaller shops because it was like, you know, we didn't know if it was going to work. But I thought between all the women I knew in L.A. in just that little like, you know, kind of small area, 
that there was enough women to support one shop. And that was it. And that was like the big dream at that moment. You know, it was like, let's open one shop and hope for the best and hope that like it, trans, you know, it converts from mobile to the store, you know, and that's when we, you know, that's when a lot of like other really smart people came in to help make this a thing. You know, it's like my brother, you know, is a marketing genius. He, he's where he worked for Yahoo for a long time. And he just really understands that side of the business. I obviously understood the hair piece. I've been working for so many years. And, and then my ex-husband, Cameron, he's, he's a creative genius, works on some of like the biggest like ad campaigns out there. And he's, just had such a great, you know, sense of that, like um, branding and marketing too. So it was like, and then my brother, my brothers, my brother's best friends, Josh Heitler, who's our architect, you know, he, my brother called him up one day and was like, Hey, my little sister has an idea for a salon. Would you help us build it? You know, and Josh said yes in exchange for a little equity because we couldn't pay him, Mm. you know? So it was like this little idea from, from my mobile business was like, let's turn this into a real thing, but if we're going to do it, we have to do it right. And, um, you know, and it was like, you know, Michael was running a real estate marketing company at the time. My kids were like three and five. So I was like, it, we weren't putting a whole lot into like this becoming this massive brand. I mean, that happening was like gravy, you know, it was like, we were just hoping to get this one short store off the ground and kind of, you know, fill, fill this void in the marketplace and, mm. and open one store and see how it goes. And, you know, within, within hours, frankly, we knew we were really on to something. I mean, even before we opened, you know, people had started to pre-book blowouts and Michael and I both worked in PR. So we understood the importance of PR and we, you know, started getting press because this was a brand new concept. It wasn't really hard to get press. However, it was in the middle of a recession and it was 2010 and women were certainly cutting back on, on extravagant, you know, beauty things. But we were able to get press even before we opened and there was so much excitement around this brand. Um, and the price point was right. And the branding was really cute. And it's just like, you know, the stars really aligned and we were able to like, you know, make it happen. And, you know, we opened, you know, to a completely book shop and it kind of never changed, <laughs> you know, and then we had, we very quickly realized we were going to have to keep growing this. And then, you know, our lives completely turned upside down and changed. And it was like, you know, the most amazing thing ever. <laughs> yeah, wow. Um, I'm curious, did you guys consider like a, like a franchise model? We did. And in the beginning, we actually did. And I, that was something that Michael and I really kind of, I mean, battled too strong of a word, but I didn't want to franchise the stores because I felt very, I mean, these were like my babies. And there was like, you know, I did not want someone to mess it up, frankly. Mm. Um, and and, you know, so the, so the thought and the idea of franchising is not terrible to me. But my brother was like, listen, if we don't have the means to grow right now. We didn't we, we weren't able to grow organically because the stores is as well as the first store was doing. It was, was not generating enough cash to like open more stores. So Michael was like, listen, I think we can we can franchise other markets in other cities and get a little money from that, from from royalties and, and you know, selling this, that that the rights to different areas. And so, you know, we, we had, a, we had like our dear friends in Dallas, you know, who run the Dallas franchise, they're amazing and they, and I knew them really well. So I trusted them. So I felt comfortable there. And, and we, you know, we brought in a handful of other franchisees and, and I mean, today of like, you, you know, the, the entire fleet, you know, there's about maybe 40 or 50 of them that are franchised. Um, and, you know, while I didn't want 
to do that initially, you know, it really has been pretty successful, the franchise. And it, it allowed us to grow much faster than mm. we would have been able to organically. I mean, we, of course, ended up raising money and that's how we expanded. But, you know, initially we were able to like grow the footprint very quickly because we, we did franchise. And, you know, as you would imagine, after we opened that first store, we were getting tons of press and we were so popular. Everybody started knocking us off. So we, you know, the fact that we had that, and a first market advantage by, you know, by doing some franchise that, that really did help us initially building the brand. Yeah, I see. Um, one thing that I think is really, really smart is creating that product line, um, especially because you started to build this distribution network. Um, oftentimes, um, you see that's how companies scale. They they build one thing and then they've got a community or an audience or a distribution platform and then they look for other ways that they can serve their customer base. When did you start the product line and how was that ideated? Because um, I think that's that was a I think that's a really yeah, interesting thing that you did. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I always wanted to do a product line from the get-go, but I didn't know how, and like I really didn't know how, and it's not easy. Um, you know, it's a whole nother business. It's like you got two businesses then. A whole other business. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's so daunting. I mean, so we're running the stores. I had brought in product lines from you know I, because I had been in this, this industry for so long. I knew all the other product lines, so I brought in my favorites. And what I very quickly realized, maybe before I knew I wanted my own line, was that these these products weren't working super well together. You know, it was like they were too heavy or whatever this the fragrance it just didn't totally work it was it was okay but it didn't work and so i knew that like i really wanted to create our own stuff um i, I would love to sit here and tell you i had this like grand plan of how it was going to work and the scent was going to become iconic and blah blah, blah. i didn't i did it i just knew that i wanted a line of products that were going to like help enhance what we were doing and there wasn't anything like that so I wanted to start a product line, but it's also not only did I not know how, it's very, very expensive. And so, you know, it's like, where do you even start? And I brought in a, a product consultant, like somebody who someone told me about. And, you know, it was kind of like that kind of fell flat, although I did launch on my own without, before we, I'll get into the story, but the shower cap was the first thing we launched because I was like, at the very oh. least, if someone gets a blowout, they don't want it to get fucked up in the shower. So let's at least make up make shower caps. And so I have like, <laughs> there's like a, you know, there's like a pile of shower, uh, hundreds of shower caps that I went through. And that was like my, my first little like tinkering with the product line. But anyways, once once we, we decided to raise money, which is very quickly that we knew we were going to need money. And we, we, our first like, I'd say like two or three million came from friends and family and, yep. um, and that and that sort of thing, um, kind of angel investors. And, but then when we started talking to private equity and we Casnea, which is a, which actually is no longer, um, but they invested in us. You know, we did we did kind of earmark money for a product line, and I was I was you know talking about that. And you know, luckily, and part of the reason that we went with Castanea was because Jenna Gerwich, who was I'm not sure if you recognize that name, but she was the founder of Laura Mercier Cosmetics, which is a massive ah. makeup line. Um, and, and so uh, Janet was attached to Castanea, which was like great. And also while this is happening and we're like, you know, considering the investment with Castanea, which was a pretty large investment, I think it was initially like 22 million, which was like more than we wanted to raise because we didn't, I mean, that was like, I mean, we ended up 
in total raising over 70 million, you know, once it, it, yeah. overall, but, um, Anyways, Castanet was going to invest in us. Janet was attached to Castanet, and Janet had launched this massive beauty line. And so I was like, "Can you can you help us do this?" And at the time, we were also being courted by L'Oreal and Living Proof, and like you know, those were like massive brands. Uh, yep. And I, I was very, it was very intoxicating, and I was like, "Yeah, I wanted to do it with them because I because I knew him." But then I you know when this all happened, the timing was so great on this because Janet was like, "Listen." even if you don't end up doing this deal with Castanea and I'm not involved, like I don't do it with another line, do it yourself. Like you won't have the control you want from like, you know, efficacy to the branding and to all of it that I was like, okay. And which is a pretty hard thing to walk away from, you know, I mean, L'Oreal and the biggest like, you know, beauty conglomerates in the world is wanting to do a line with you. It's like, holy shit, but we did it. And we, we listened to Janet and then Castanet did end up investing in us. And so Janet really opened all the doors initially, you know, and introduced me to the best labs in the country who, by the way, would not talk to me because I, they, they didn't know who I was. Dry bar was like, you know, barely on the map. So Janet really opened up a lot of those doors for me in those early days to help, you know, because I, I just didn't, I didn't know where to start. And so mm. she, she was very, very helpful on that and introduced us like the CEO of Sephora, who then like, you know, wow. helped us like initially with our initial launch. And so that's kind of how the whole thing started, you know, and that I'll never forget, you know, launching the initial products. And, and like I said, Sephora, we had these in the kitchen meetings with Sephora where you would kind of lay out what we were thinking and they'd be like, well, you can't say it like that. Cause like, you know, and, and all of their amazing, you know, research and doing this so long that you, you can't say this like that and people don't like this and blah, blah, blah. And so they really guided us to help us like have a very successful launch. And we launched in 75 doors um, as an initial test in Sephora. And it like went crazy and did incredibly well. And that, you know, that kind of started to like, started to launch us. And then, you know, then we ended up in Ulta and Nordstrom and, and the product line really grew. But, you know, I think it was like a lot of things lining up. I mean, obviously I had a lot of experience in the space, so I really understood it, what I wanted. And then I also had this like, you know, at that point, I think we had like maybe 10 or 15 stores. So I had a lot of stylists kind of, mm. you know, working with me who I could send products to and they were incredibly honest. So, you know, I would send out products into the field and be like, hey, you guys play around with this. Tell me what you think. And then they would, and they would have tons of feedback, most of it bad, and say, you know, this isn't good, and this isn't good. And so we'd go back to the drawing board. And so, you know, it was a really fun process developing, um, the, you know, the product into what it what it is today. And yeah, and, and I think that people were, people who didn't have access to a dry bar loves that they could buy the dry bar products, even if they couldn't get into a dry bar store, which was, of course, you know, we only had 15 at the time, but I went on QVC and sold it. So we kind of got the word out and... And yeah, and so, you know, so began the, the product journey and it was, you know, it was like, like you said, it was like, it was literally starting another business quickly inside the business and, um, you know, hoping that would work too, which hopefully it did. Yeah, no, it's, um, it was really smart and uh, it, yeah, it, it's really impressive. So I'd like to fast forward to now, um, this year, like, how has things been for you guys and how have you managed with everything that's happened, all the crazy changes, um, you know, the ups and the downs? Like, I'd love to hear your take. Yeah, I mean, I mean, as you can imagine, the service industry has been hit, you know, amongst the hardest um, in terms of business. And, you know, we, we, we closed down very quickly when this all happened and then 
we were able to open again and then we got closed again and then we opened again and now we're, we're open, but we're at very like minimal capacity, which is not, you know, it doesn't, it's not the model. I mean, our, the name of the game for us is volume. Like we are doing, you know, so much volume. So, you know, we're, we're able to manage labor really well now, but we're, you know, in terms of like how many sales are coming and all of that. And, and our, we have so many, you know, like everybody protocols in place in terms of masks and temperature taking and distancing and, you know, and sanitation and all of the things, but it is, it is a really trying time. I mean, I would be lying to say anything else, you know, I mean, I think that we're, we're, we are getting back to it. And of course now, you know, I don't know when exactly this is going to be public, but you know, we're in, what month are we in? Um, we're in November, <laughs> we just had Thanksgiving, um, you know, who knows what's going to be for the next few months. So, um, it's, it's definitely a struggle I and mean, we've, we've relied a lot on product, um, you know, to, to, you know, to help women who don't have access to driver. Like I've done tons of like how to videos and we do a lot of that kind of stuff to kind of keep the momentum and help, you know, women who can't get into dry bar, but it is, is definitely a challenge and we're just kind of trying to hold on until the storm kind of passes and, you know, it's, uh, but it's, but it's definitely like a very strange reality and, and feels just so surreal to not be able to like operate the way we always have. And have you guys done anything uh, that has perhaps disrupted your model again to combat everything that's going on or diversify? Obviously, you've got the products. Have you considered going back, trying out mobile again or like? You know, a lot of people have asked me that. Um, but, you know, it's like it's hard to do too because, you know, what I think didn't work on a large scale mobily was that we were going into someone's home um, and, and when you don't know somebody and they're coming to your, into your home, it can be uncomfortable, you know, and you don't know the person that's showing up as opposed to when I was doing my business, like they knew they were getting me every time. So that really mm. comfort in that we found that we did put a little bit, you know, we had what was called dry on the fly when we first launched and, you know, some people took advantage of it, but by and large, most women did not They liked coming into the shop. They liked getting out of their house and, and, you know, people aren't always comfortable with like a stranger essentially coming to their house. You know, so you, so there's all that now. Plus, there's like, are you safe when you come over? You know, so it's like we, you know, we, we, we've talked about things like that and doing like outside stuff and whatever. But it's not. It's really like hard to pull off. So, you know, there's there's not. I mean, I I wish I had something else to say, but there's really not a lot to be done right now in this moment. You know, other than like getting ourselves ready. Like we've been working on our mobile app a lot to get that ready. Like right now we have virtual check-in, which is a really nice feature that I think will yep. continue to go on, yep. you know, so there's a lot of like behind the scenes work that can be done, but the, you know, that the, the concept is so personal and it's so one-on-one that it's, it's really tough right now. Yeah, no, I appreciate your honesty and hopefully things get better soon for everyone. Yeah. So I'd love to switch gears again and uh, talk about your podcast and that you've launched with your partner. Um, and I'd love to hear experiences there, what, that, what that's like. And uh, yeah, why did you decide to, to launch a podcast amidst everything else you have going on? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I'm sure like most entrepreneurs, like we kind of like our, our hands in a lot of things and I'd like to always be busy. And I, I, I kind of marvel all the time at like, I didn't think I was that busy, but I'm so busy every day. I mean, with all the different like things I have my hands in and, and one of them being the podcast, um, 
which my brother Michael and I initially started a couple of years ago called Raising the Bar, which was really our exploration uh, of other entrepreneurs who were in kind of similar, you know, founding stories of, of us and like how how they started and grow, grew and scaled their business. And, you know, we did that for a couple of years and we introduced and interviewed a lot of founders and, you know, so many great stories and such a fun time doing that. And then, you know, my brother had a baby and so his life changed a lot and he's like, and I live in LA and he lives in Orange County. And so like, you know, the convenience of it wasn't really working and we took kind of a break on that. Um, and also in between I got divorced. And so my life was like, of crazy and then now i do have a new partner adrian that i live with and um you know he's a he's a coach so he found it he coaches like founders and entrepreneurs and he and he's he's i mean he's just brilliant and incredible and i could have used him like five years ago um when <laughs> and actually a funny story my brother the first time he met adrian in person they played a joke on me well, my, that my brother started that was like hey we weren't going to tell you, you, you guys weren't supposed to fall in love, but we actually hired Adrian for you, which, you know, was true. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, Adrian played along with that story and it was just, it was very funny, but I could have used him because, you know, as a founder navigating, you know, giving up, you know, control is, is quite challenging, but anyway, so he does that for a living. So he gets a lot more, um, you know, with his clients kind of naturally gets very like into like, you know, the kind of the inner workings of founders and what they're like dealing with on more of an emotional level. Um, and, and, and he was one of the first people that I ever heard really talk about how, you know, business and personal is actually quite integrated. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm, you could probably like hear countless interviews where I talk about business is business and, you know, and that mindset has really shifted for me. And a lot of that is, is from him because, you know, there, there's so many there, it's so intertwined. And, and I think that like, you know, he would say things like, you know, when you show up at the office, you show up as you, it's the same person, you know? And as, it's like, when you go home, you're that same person. So you're bringing all of your feelings and all of your emotion and all of your shit with you. You know, it's just happened. Now you have to be at work and you're dealing with those people. And arguably we spend more time with people we work with than our actual family. So, you know, he's, he's kind of dealing in his work with like the complexities of that and how you show up for people in general. So when we decided to relaunch the podcast, it was kind of like, let's, let's do it on a little bit more of like with that kind of stuff beyond just the growing and scaling of what you've done, which is the stories are somewhat similar. You know, if you talk to founders, you, there's a lot of similar themes, you know, now we're like, we like to get like people to get really vulnerable and like, you know, tell us, you know, the, 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 like the inner, the inner stuff, the stuff that's like a little more juicy, a little more personal, a little more vulnerable. So that's kind of like the new twist on the podcast, which is like getting into like, you know, the, the, the stuff that people don't always want to talk about, you know, um, like, you know, Adrian always says like what I'm going to butcher this, like, you know, it's like building the, the founder versus, um, you know, it building you. I know I didn't say that right. I should find the quote from him and send it to you. Um, but but basically, it's like it's more of like the behind the scenes of what's really going on for people, um, mm. and it is very personal, you know. Which I kind of didn't used to see it that way, and and I do now. And you know, I've learned a lot from him about you know not avoiding conversations, and I and I would do that a lot. You know, when things got hard, I would you know go vent to my brother or to our CEO instead of dealing with like what was really there. And, 
and so the so the podcast largely is based kind of around that of like trying to get people to really kind of come out of their shells and talk about like what it's really like um on a more personal level to be you know at the helm of a company and how you deal with the complexities of that i think i think that's really awesome because i i agree that mindset is so incredibly important as you grow your company even if you're starting and i think if you want to continue to grow your company, you want to continue push because that's what naturally we want to do, people want to do, right? When they start a company, there's certain levels and there's certain things you have to be prepared to take on and it just gets harder and harder and harder and you just keep leveling up. And yeah, not a lot of people like to talk about like mindset, but it's so critical because it's just not so much, it's not sexy. It's not, I raised X, Y, Z, or, you know, we hired X, Y, Z, or, you know, we got X amount of, yeah. don't want to like, you know, talk about like those struggles because as, and I can, you know, firsthand, like it's like as a founder, you want to appear like you have your shit together. You have all the answers. You're really successful. You know what you're doing. When When at the end of the day, you don't, I didn't, you know, I still don't, you know, I'm like, I still like, you know, don't have all the answers. And, um, you know, and I, and I think that like for other, you know, and, and part of why we love the podcast, like for people who are listening to our podcast, who are, you know, budding entrepreneurs or whatever, whatever area of their life they're in, it's like you, you have, we, we build up, you know, these leaders in our, in our society is like, you know, being like, really smart and just kind of knowing everything, you know, and it's like, it's just not true. Mm. Um, and so the more we can get, you know, the founders to talk about their, you know, their blind spots, the things that they struggle with, it kind of like levels the playing field for everybody. And I think it inspires people to feel like, oh, you know what, I can actually do this too, you know, and that to me is like the name of the game. Yeah, no, I love it. It's, yeah, because um, sometimes people ask me, because I've done so many interviews now, like, Hundreds, 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 and um, interviewed some insanely crazy people, right? And one thing that I've taken away from it, and this isn't out of arrogance or anything at all, but um, you look at these people and you often put them on a pedestal, but what you realise is is they are actually no uh, smarter oftentimes than you or I. It's just their ability to just keep going, luck, hustle, grit, just being able to take on a just ridiculous amounts of pressure, sometimes stress, and just having a really great team around you. It's all these things, right? But, um, yeah, it's easy to put these people on a pedestal when they've achieved so much. Yeah, and and I couldn't agree with you more about, you know, having the right people around you. And, you know, I and I, I always say it, that I'm, I'm not usually the smartest person in the room. You know, I'm, I'm like, you know, and, and that has been an interesting thing for me to, like, kind of overcome because you know when we were when we brought on like Castanet and these guys they were like they went to Harvard and Stanford and mm-hmm. I was like in those initial board meetings I was like like I'm like what am I I felt so you know it was like imposter kind of syndrome you know I was like I can't like hang here but then I was like wait a second yes I can you know and it was like this kind of like back and forth that I that I had but you know I, I think what I came to learn in the years to come was like you know, I knew this business backwards and forwards better than these guys did, but they were really smart and they had a lot of great ideas. And so, you know, the, and they respected where I came from, as did my brother. And, you know, and so it was like, you know, knowing your strengths and your weaknesses is, is really important. And, you know, I, um, 
you know, I, the things that I kind of lacked in, you know, smarts, quote unquote, I made up for in hustle and grit and, and intuition. I mean, I remember as a kid, my parents would say, and I, I found myself saying this, like my parents would always say, like, you're not like book smart, you're street smart, which mm. sounds kind of funny, but like, not like I'm like on the streets, but it is this like, you know, I had good in, in, in intuition and instincts. And I think that is really what has brought me success in this life. I'm also like, you know, like I'm sure many of the entrepreneurs that you speak to, it's like, I'm like, I don't really take no for an answer. If I want something done, I'm going to get it done come hell or high water. And it's like, I'm just going to figure it out. I'm going to keep opening doors and pushing until I do. Um, and not everybody has that mentality, you know, mm. which is why like not everybody is meant to be an entrepreneur. If you're not that kind of person, like that's cool. Like you probably are better suited to work for somebody and be given like direction and, and, you know, but, but for me, you know, I didn't, I don't, that's not what, what I thrive on, you know, like, like most entrepreneurs. So, you know, you surrounding yourself with smarter people and like, you know, that is a huge, that was a huge thing for me. I mean, like I said, in the beginning of dry bar, you know, if, if, if I think it wasn't, for, you know, there's me and Cam and Josh and my brother and without one of us, it wouldn't have worked, you know, even if there were three of that or, you know, that those people, it wouldn't have worked, you know, and it, we, you know, we, we say that all the time, you know, I mean, I, I tend to get like all the glory and credit and it, and it was my idea and it is my baby, but without Michael and Cam and Josh, like driver would never be what it is today. You know, I didn't have everything it needed to get to the point where it got. Yeah, no, I, I really respect your openness, honesty, uh, and really self-awareness. And I think that is so critical. Be being self-aware of your strengths and weaknesses and then having people around you to complement that and just being, you know, like, like, no, that's not me. Let's find someone else that can do that. Yeah, I mean, that I think it, it is such an important thing to highlight um, because I think a lot of people go into, you know, sometimes you can't afford those people or those people aren't available to you, mm. so you have to kind of figure it out. But, you know, to recognize that, like, you know, you're not going to be good at everything is, is going to really help you in the long run. Yeah, I agree. 110%. Well, look, mindful of your time, Ali, it's been a great conversation. You're, you're amazing to speak with. Very open, honest, talking about the real stuff. Love it. Um, last question was uh, advice to anyone feeling stuck during this time. And then, yeah, where's the best place people can find out more about yourself, your work, raising the bar. Yeah. Yep. You know, I would say similar to what I was saying about following your passion, you know, I think that if you like kind of like really dig deep and like get really honest with yourself about the thing that you really want to be doing and, and finding like space for that. I think the one of the good things that have, has come out of, you know, quarantine and being stuck at home and that, you know, I, at least I find that I, you know, I will put my phone down and like go on a walk or just spend some time on my own because like you kind of have that flexibility more than we used to have. Um, and, and, and allowing my, my brain to just like go and wander and think. And that's to me when I come up with the best ideas and I come up with the best stuff, you know, so if, if you are finding yourself stuck, it's like, I slow down and get like reconnected to what, what, what you get excited about, you know? And I think if you like allow yourself to think about that, and I do it all the time, like, what am I, what am I like liking? What am I not liking? Where do I want to put my energy? Where do I not want to put up my energy? You know, you can really, like, if you stop and think and slow everything else down, I think you can really kind of hone in on that and then, and then go that way. 
Um, and as far as where you can find me, um, the, probably the best spot is Instagram. I'm at Ali Webb, A-L-L-I-W-E-B-B. And that's where, you know, we're, we have the Raising the Bar pod, which is linked on my Instagram. And I have tons of projects and I'm working on a new book and TV show and all sorts of stuff. And it all kind of lands on my Instagram. I, at some point, I'll probably have a website, but I don't yet. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's where you can kind of check me out and all my stuff. Amazing. Well, look, super mindful of your time. Thank you so much. It was great speaking with you. And uh, I hope you have a great day. You too. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview. As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content, either start or grow their business, which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in depth on teaching a particular topic, and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.